0: a dose of hope.com. Our guests today are Rick and Aldona Seymour. The Seymours got the entrepreneurial bug 48 years ago. Aldona was
1: the HR manager for the regional office of the American Cancer Society and Rick was misemployed as an aerospace engineer for 18 years and a professional speaker and trainer for Fortune 100 companies for eight years.
0: They were introduced to the Shackley Corporation in 1974. And his independent contractors have created a lifestyle for the last 38 years that most people only hope to have when they retire and then discover they can't live on 60% of what they couldn't live on before they retired.
1: They replaced Aldona's income with, as an HR manager within six months and equaled Rick's income as an aerospace engineer within 13 months of starting their Shackley business. They've been semi-retired for the last 38 years. And have created a lifestyle, both time freedom and financial freedom.
0: Noel and Robert have a wonderful chat with Rick and Aldona Seymour about building a business together. They've partnered with the Shackley Corporation to change their lives and the lives of thousands who are their customers and have also become part of their business. They are living healthier and wealthier and have been blessed to help many others make the same leap to a life of freedom. Well, Rick and Aldana, I am so excited to have this conversation and just uh, looking forward to sharing so much of your wisdom.
2: We feel honored that you invited us. Yeah, Thank you.
3: Absolutely. Appreciate it.
0: So we typically just start each show with our guests sharing their entrepreneurial journey. And I know that, uh, you know, Rick, I know your side, at least jumping from a rocket engineer to entrepreneur. Um, so, but share the story from your, your perspective as a couple.
3: Well, when um, we got married, I was still playing rocket scientist, but knew I didn't want to. Um, It was early days of the space program when I got started. So the work was interesting because it had all been been done for the first time. None had been done before that. Working with the astronauts was fun. But the politics and bureaucracy of the large corporation just drove me crazy. And being a NASA contractor, having a second layer of politics and bureaucracy on top of that just was overwhelming to me because you couldn't really do the work you knew you needed to do without having to deal with all that craziness. <laughs> so, like I say, from almost day one, I knew I wanted to get out. And his career. Well,
2: <clears throat> I came over on an army troop ship um, after the war to the United States and when we saw the Statue of Liberty, my parents said to me that in this country, you can become any, anyone, anything you choose to become. However, we got, I got, went to school and graduated and got this piece of paper and this piece of paper said, this is what I do and for I allowed other people to control where I was. So when we were introduced to Shackley, it totally opened up my mind to seeing that truly we can do and make a difference in the world and help other people and still make an income. And I got so
3: excited. But but there's one major problem. I was the stereotypical engineer with zero people skills. And all of a sudden we find ourselves in a people business. I mean, I wouldn't eat lunch in the company cafeteria because I was afraid somebody would talk to me, and I didn't know how to do that. So I spent my life up until that point in time basically trying to avoid people. And all of a sudden, here we are in a business where you have to, you have to network, you have to meet people, you have to carry on conversations and build relationship and trust. And for me, that was a huge, huge stretch to begin that personal development journey and realized that there were some skills and some mindsets that I was going to have to change if I was going anywhere in a business like that.
2: I think that's that was true for me. Even though I loved people, I loved being around people. I had worked for the um, uh, in University of Chicago for hospitals and clinics and administration. I managed medical records. I came to Colorado and I worked for the Cancer Society and human resources. Um, in a regional office, which was really small. And when Rick got excited, I was not excited. When they presented Chackley, I, lo- I got excited, very excited about the products because I knew the, so many people coming into the hospital, their only issue was bad nutrition and a bad lifestyle. And so I got very excited about Chackley nutrition and the science and the research All of that was really important to me because of my background, but stepping out to talk to people, um, I took it personally when someone said no, because that was not an experience I had. My jobs were telling people what to do and if they didn't (laughs) listen, they could lose their job. So because I was so excited about Shackley and I knew I could make a difference, I jumped on people and immediately told them how bad they were eating and what they did wrong (laughs) instead of just asking questions to find out if they were even interested in better health. So it was a learning process, personal, huge personal development for both of us.
3: Yeah. I think in both our cases, even though we were coming from slightly different places, we both recognized that we were lacking some significant skills. And regardless of anything else that's happened to us by becoming entrepreneurs, I think the personal growth journey, just that itself has been worth it.
0: Oh, absolutely. Go ahead. So, so what, what did you do to get past this uh, fear of no and this fear of, of talking with people?
2: I think for me, it was actually, um, when Rick started doing goal seminars, This he learned um, and studied and, and took a lot of time, um, just putting down my values, what was important to me. And obviously it was God and my family, but then it was providing for my family. When we got married, we had nothing. We lived on peanut butter sandwiches and macaroni and cheese. Um, Uh, Our daughter couldn't go to the prom because we couldn't afford a dress. I mean, it was just so my first priority was getting food on the table and helping my family. And then as we started to get better and started to learn how to ask questions and really find out that it's not about us, it's about what people's needs were. And we started to grow then obviously the goals expanded. So every day I always took a look at that and I would get the no, make the next call and get the next appointment. And it was just making a decision to overcome the odds, I guess.
3: I think for me, I just immersed myself in listening to tapes and reading books on personal development and goal setting. I devoured everything that Zig Ziglar ever wrote or said Uh, Jim Rohn was my mentor and hero because of the way he communicated and approached uh, business and people. And, you know, that that was an era where there was not really a huge wealth of information along those lines, but boy, anything I could lay my hands on, I listened, I read, I re-listened and really began to realize that a lot of what was a struggle in our business was right here. Um, And there was a lot of stuff that needed to get fixed up there before I was even open to learning the skills to to make it work.
0: That's so good. I mean, obviously there wasn't a lot in personal development out there like there is today, but Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar were definitely powerhouses and uh, full of a wealth of information. In what other ways have mentors that maybe maybe mentors that were a little closer to you helped in that journey?
3: Well, interestingly <laughs> enough, we didn't have any. Um, there was nobody in the business with us or above us who gave us any help or any.
2: Well, we didn't you know, approach them because we were too shy to approach some of the people that were at the top at Shackley and the people that signed us up disappeared. So pretty much it was Rick studying and learning and he finally got to the point where actually the corporation had him going all over the country training on goals and mindset and also self-management, which he called, he didn't call it time management because it's not, it's self-management. And so um, as a result, Actually, I learned a lot from him. <laughs> and then as we grew in the business and we connected with some of the other powerhouses in the business, we started sharing ideas at conferences
3: and learning more. But I think one of the things that was really a blessing for us is we were in the business together. So we had similar goals. And if one of us was having a bad day, the other one was there to support him and and vice versa so that, you know, neither one of us were ever kind of out there by ourselves doing our own thing. So it enhanced our marriage and our relationship because we had common goals that we were both working toward and, you know, communicated about what was important to us and what we wanted to change in our lives or fix in our lives or whatever it was.
2: And the neat thing about this partnership is the fact that we can will our business to and our daughter's going to be um, getting the business. So our family has gotten really involved they all, of course, use the products. Our one granddaughter now is doing her doctor's residency in Columbia and has learned even more about the quality of our products. And I think that is so exciting.
1: So what was the biggest challenge in working together?
2: <laughs> we had to have separate offices. We learned very quickly that we can't work out of one office. <laughs> we totally have different styles. But as a result of that, we, within the first two years, learned where he excels and where I excel. And so that blend has really made a difference. You
3: yeah, know, there were pieces that Alana was very good at that I was terrible at and vice versa. So we, we kind of fit like this, you know, there's some overlapping areas in the business, but she had a lot of strengths that I didn't have. And on the other end, I had some strengths she didn't. So it took some while to evolve into figuring out how best to apply the strengths that each of us had. But with time, it's something you just figure out.
2: And we learn how to communicate with each other about things. And it used to be like, oh, honey, did you call so-and-so or did you follow up? And now you just write notes to each other so there isn't a funny tone that comes
0: through. <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah, that, that accountability between a couple can be challenging sometimes.
3: It can be. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, we've been together 24-7 now for 37 years and we still like each other. So, you know, we did something right.
0: Nice. Absolutely. And, and, and part of my intention is to honor that and, and share that with others, because there's, there is huge value in working together as a couple and being able to, to serve together and impact the world together. And, and I think, you know, one of the reasons that my wife and I have been together for 29 years now is, is that we're committed to the journey and we're committed to, to working together to impact the world.
2: Absolutely. That's what's essential. And that's a, that's what's so much fun. And as entrepreneur, you can schedule your own time. So, you know, we get whatever it is that we're committed to done, and then we can go out to lunch or whatever. Or rig goes play in the garden or, 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 or whatever. Right. So what a blessing to have that opportunity in this country to be able to build your own business and choose your lifestyle. That's not possible in many countries.
3: Well, and I think to some degree is sort of a unique situation that we've been semi-retired now for almost 38 years. And neither one of us are wired in such a way that retired, retired, where you think you're going to go play golf the rest of your life or whatever. We'd both go crazy. If we're not doing something productive, something where we're making a difference and have a purpose in life, we'd probably, you know, who knows where we'd be, but we certainly wouldn't be happy with our lives. So there will always be a work ethic there, regardless of how old we are, how long we've been in the business or anything else. But the freedom that it's given us to be an entrepreneur is pretty extraordinary because there's so many people that we know, that we've met either through the business or not, who have spent most of their life in corporate America with somebody telling them what to do And all of a sudden, given an opportunity to become an entrepreneur, it turns out they don't have the self-discipline to do what they know they need to do. Um, And one of the things that we've known for years is that having a business we can work from home is an extraordinary blessing. And we've been together at home for all these years. But it's also a curse because at any given point in time, there's a thousand other things you could be doing. Besides what you know, you should be doing to grow your business. So, you know, there's an upside and a downside to all of that. And if people don't have the discipline uh, to do the things they need to know, they need they they need to do, based on the goals they set for themselves, then it's it's a struggle, and very few people will succeed in that environment. go
1: ahead,
2: Donna. I think that's one of the blessings, though, that we have now because we have been in this for a while and we've learned a lot of skills and we're able to mentor and encourage people when they're coming from corporate America and how to do self-management, how to figure out their time schedules and to really support them in their growth. Because for us, it's about helping people to better health and to better lifestyle. And to do that, we get very involved in their lives and and to encourage them. And I think that's such a blessing um, to be able to to see that personal development happen in other
3: people.
1: So after 37 years of working together, I am sure it's more there's more to it than just work. What do you guys do for fun?
3: Well oh, he plays golf. <laughs> and we hike. And,
2: and we hike.
3: And, and we go out for a happy hour a lot.
2: <laughs> and I go buying because um, I one of my gifts is to give. And so June was a big month for, let's see, three granddaughters and Father's
3: Day and, and, and notice the way she said that. She's not a shopper, that's for amateurs, all done as a buyer. <laughs> That was one of my goals.
2: (laughs) So I can go out and just do things for people and surprise them with
0: gifts. Nice. So I want to definitely come back to the mentor thing and helping others. But you spoke about designing your life and and building the business around the life that you you want. And, And I want to dig into that a little further because I think that freedom we have here to design a business, to build a business but so many people build businesses that become jobs. And I think you guys understand the reality of this is the lifestyle that we want to have. These are the goals that we have and we can build our business to support that lifestyle and those goals. Absolutely.
2: And that's the fun part about it that we, you know, we know the appointments that we've got scheduled and we know the meetings and then we know the time I mean, every day we do something fun. I mean, I just love, I choose joy. So we, you know, have to prioritize for us and for our family. When our daughter comes down from Vail, I mean, everything else gets blocked and rescheduled.
3: Yeah. But, but we do, we, we block out those times on our calendar that there are things that we enjoy doing that we want to do and make sure that, we don't conflict with, we share the calendar so that we don't book something during a time when we're already committed to, to either each other, our kids or whatever that is. But I think one of the things too, that is so interesting is we, so often we talk about a balance in life. And one of the things we learned early on is that there will be times where you've got to be totally out of balance in order to get to that place where you can have the balance. <laughs> uh, if somebody's starting a business, you're going to invest a lot of time and a lot of hours and sacrifice a lot of family time in order to get it to a place where now you can have that time. And the problem is that too many people aren't willing to make those kind of sacrifices. But once you do, if you have, and we've had many of these family situations where you're kind of taken off the board for weeks, if not months at a time, where you have to deal with what's going on in the family to still have a business that continues to grow and you know to provide the kind of lifestyle that you want. That's only possible because early on, you were out of balance in a different direction in order to get it to where you wanted it. So.
2: Well, we sat down with our children and we said, this is what we have to do, because we still had full-time jobs when we got into the business. And sometimes those full-time jobs required overtime, um, because I also managed at um, the Cancer Society. So if somebody didn't show up, you know, then you cover all of that. And we sat our kids down and we said, you know, we're going to give up some gains we're going to give up some stuff, and we're going to be really focused to reach this goal so we can quit our jobs and we can do more with you and for you. Are you willing, and do you understand? And truly, our children have, because of this business, have traveled all over the world with us.
3: And all of them are entrepreneurs themselves.
2: That's right. And so, well,
3: but again, that isn't exactly as an entrepreneur. Well, that's true. <laughs> Quite, yeah. But anyway, but, but when I think back, there, you know, we'd have these conversations with the kids when they were teenagers and say, look, we'll trade you some time now for some time later. Here's what we feel we need to do in order to achieve this goal. But this weekend will be your weekend and we will do whatever you want and spend that whole weekend of quality time with you. Because so often people talk about spending time with their kids, but it's not really quality time you know, you're in the same room together, but everybody's on a different screen or whatever. And of course, this was before all before that, screens. <laughs> that even existed other than a TV. But the reality was that our kids came to understand what goal setting was about and what it took to achieve a goal. But that when you've done that, the net result is that you have a better balance in your life and you can commit real quality time to a relationship and it makes all the difference in the world.
0: Well, I like that distinction you just made that not only do your kids know how to set goals, but they know how to achieve them. And I think there's many in our culture that set goals, but it's a much smaller number of people that actually figure out the work it takes to achieve them and and the process it takes to to accomplish goals. Yeah, so really our
2: granddaughters and our daughter treated us well, actually, for my birthday to Barcelona. And we spent five days in Barcelona with them and Bringetta's um, husband, my daughter, the uh, two granddaughters, mm-hmm. and they planned everything
0: and covered everything. It was just amazing. <laughs> so fun. That's exciting. So I want to go back to the mentor thing, because you mentioned not having mentors for your journey, but you also mentioned that you've taken on the responsibility and the role of of mentoring others. So so let's talk about um, the value of giving back and and mentoring to um, those that are on the journey behind you.
3: Well, I think a lot of what drives us and the passion we have is helping people not have to go through many of the struggles we went through. Um, in fact, I've kidded a lot over the years. At, at some point in time, we're going to do about an hour seminar called all the stupid things you can do in business. Only an hour. That's pretty yeah. good. Well, you well, know, knows how I goes. talk fast. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I figure we give that to somebody and they can just skip the first eight or 10 years of what we did wrong, you know, but, the reality is that I don't want to plant that (laughs) seed. If people are open and hungry and they want change and, and that's the key they've got to want to change because it doesn't matter how much time we invest or how effective we are as mentors. If they're not in a place where they want to change and are willing to make the investment in themselves to do that, then we're all kind of wasting our time. So part of that mentoring relationship is giving them ownership of the activities and the things that they need to do in order to succeed. And if they step up to the plate, we are right there with them. We'll get in the harness with them and work just as hard as they will to help them. But if it turns out that they're not willing to do the work, then You know, we we always tell people we treat it like a checkers game. If you move, we move. If you move, we move. If you quit moving, we just find somebody else to play checkers with.
2: And I just stay with those people. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. (laughs) Follow up with them and continue to mentor them and coach them because some people can't jump into it. And some people it takes a little longer to get over some of the fears and and some of the things maybe they had in their life. So that's kind of where we mesh together because he'll get on board with somebody and work and I will follow up with people and love them until they're ready to do something. And if they're not ready to do something, that's okay. We have customers from 40 years ago. Wow. and. I am really, I mean, I'm talking really good customers where they order two to 300 a month for their families. So it's, and that's the nurturing part. And so I, that's my job.
3: (laughs) And she's really good at it. And
2: that's what I love to do. I, you know, I love to see the difference. I still see the difference in people changing and their personal development and learning to set goals and what they're beginning to share with their children. And some of the moms, you know, I've shared with them, you know, what what they see you do, they are going to copy and it's going to become a part of their life at some point. So as a parent, we always want to be a good example. It's not, we're never perfect, we mess up, but that has really encouraged a lot of mothers to to really at least go enough to make some extra income to do something special.
0: Mm. Absolutely. Uh,
1: if you go back a little bit, you said you, you choose joy. Can you share I- a bit more about that freedom of the power of that decision?
2: Well, uh, Shackley has hired someone that's been doing some training for us. And um, I have always done gratitude every morning, you know, all of the things. Because to to live in this country is a huge blessing. So I've been, you know, doing that, but now this person actually encourages it, and she put this huge book together where you can write in your gratitude, and then you can write down your goals and your commitment for the day, and the title of the book is I Choose Joy." And I thought, what a great affirmation for every morning, because I choose joy every morning. And so even if something happens to stumble or anything, I just remind myself that
0: that's what I choose. And it's, it's been a lot of fun for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I like that you mentioned it's a, the choice, right? It, you can choose joy, no that's matter right. what the circumstances are in your life or your situation, you can choose joy. And so many people, especially, I mean, right now, our culture obviously is lots of negative stuff going on in the world and craziness, but we can still choose joy in spite of all that craziness.
3: Well, and I think that's one of the lessons I learned not soon enough in my life, but fortunately learned was that our attitude is a choice we make every day. Mm. It has nothing to do with our circumstances, And it's funny, the place I learned that, we were not very long into the business and came to the realization that me having no people skills, I needed to to get some. And actually it was my wife who pointed that out to me more so than my (laughs) self-realization. And so I signed up for a sales course at Arapahoe Community College. Wow! And it was a 12 week course. And it's the worst course I've ever taken in my life. The guy who taught it had never been outside of academia. He'd never sold anything to anybody, but he was teaching a course on sales. And it was all this theoretical stuff that really had nothing to do with the real world. And and so I sat there for 12 weeks staring at the same poster in the same spot on the wall. And I would have quit, except we were in a place financially where I didn't want to have to tell and the kids that we had wasted the money on the course. So I stuck it out for 12 weeks staring at this poster. And for about the first two or three weeks, I'd read that poster and go, that's not true. And about six weeks in, I'm like, huh, I wonder if that's true. By the time I left the course, I decided that just might be true. And let me tell you what the poster said. One simple thing, to be enthusiastic you must act enthusiastic. That's all it said. And when I first read it, I thought, well, that's not true. How can you be enthusiastic if you don't feel like it? But as I read it and saw it and thought about it for 12 weeks, I finally decided there might be something to that. So I decided I'm going to act enthusiastic and just see what happens.
0: We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, Dream Life Planner, Move from Tired and Overwhelmed to Free and Empowered by Noel L. Peterson, available on Amazon. Or you can order a personalized signed copy at empower2dream.com. E-M-P-O-W-E-R That's empower2dream.com. number two, dream.com. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness.
3: And I'm still working at the aerospace firm, round you know dozens and dozens of engineers who are wired pretty much the same way I am, and I'd be walking down the hall and somebody'd say, "Good morning, Rick. How are you?" And I'd go, "I'm fantastic, but I'm going to get better." Or I'd say, "Listen, if I were any better, I'd need to be twins just to spread it around a little bit," and I'd get the weirdest looks from these guys. I bet. And they all thought I had just gone off the deep end or wonder what I'm smoking or whatever it is. And after it didn't take very long, probably not even a week, somebody turned the corner. They see me coming down the hallway. They get a big grin on their face. They could hardly wait to ask me how I was because they knew it was probably the only positive thing they're going to hear all day long. Except this one guy. And his name was Ray. And every time I said this to him, you could just see him walk up. He just hated it. He thought it was the stupidest thing he'd ever heard. And he was a pretty smart guy. It only took him about three or four days to figure out if he didn't ask me how I was, he wouldn't have to listen to my stupid answer.
0: Oh, well, there you go.
3: So one morning he turns a corner, he glances up and before he recognizes it's me, he says, good morning, Howard, but it was too late. So I told him and Ray does a U-turn in the hallway. He follows me the whole length of the hallway. I get on an elevator. He follows me right on the elevator. The doors close, he turns around and he literally backs me into a corner. And he looks at me, he's about this far away from me. And he says, that's it, I've had it. Nobody is that good all the time. You are lying. And i paused pause for a moment and I looked at Ray and I said, Ray, I'm not lying. I'm just telling the truth in advance. Oh, so powerful. And the single most important lessons I learned in my life are attitude, is a decision. It's a choice we make every single day of our lives, and it has nothing to do with our circumstances.
0: Yeah, that poster alone was worth double the price of that class. That yeah. was
3: worth a hundred times the price of that class.
0: So I'm gonna I'm gonna take that a step further. You talked the the poster talked about enthusiasm, um, but I'm gonna ask you: Do you think that applies to love?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, it does. I think we learned that lesson the hard way, like most people do. Um, We were so different when we got married, came from polar opposites. Um, Aldana was a refugee, a Roman Catholic with very conservative views about everything. And I was this wild-eyed hippie freak from Boulder in the 60s, okay? And, and so the God Lord has it, a great
2: sense of humor. Yeah, there's no
3: other reason for us to be together other than he thought that would just be a real hoot. So, but it took us a while to figure out that, yes, love is absolutely a decision we make and a choice we make every day as to how we're going to treat each other. It's always what it comes down to. Yeah. so and
2: it was a blessing to have a business and to be entrepreneurs to make that happen because with jobs his job. He couldn't even talk about his job. And I'd come home frustrated about, you know, the staff not doing what they're supposed to do. And we just didn't have that connection until Shackley. True. We were in, we were married six months when we were introduced to Shackley. So I'm so grateful. (laughs) Nice.
1: So what helped you in determining the roles in in everything that you guys do comes along with this work?
3: Well, first of all, we got saved. Had that not happened, I don't think we'd even be married today, to be honest with you. But um, we had a couple that led us to the Lord who became our spiritual gadflies and our mentors spiritually and got us involved in Bible study and a discipleship program and, and whatnot. And it was just, Literally life-changing for both of us. Um, Elena was a Roman Catholic, but I was a raving atheist. and uh, Would cut you off the knees if you wanted to talk about religion. And that's a whole other story as to how we got saved, but praise the Lord that we did.
2: Well, and just finding what worked for us individually in the business, I think it took a little bit of time because we both felt that we were gonna do this, the same things. And initially I started it because-
3: I this, wouldn't talk to
2: anybody. Wouldn't talk to anybody. <laughs> so I just kind of went out there and made all the mistakes and and got, you know, those papers with the names of people that just moved into the neighborhood.
3: Welcome Wagon, you remember and Welcome I, Wagon? Oh yeah,
2: <laughs> And Absolutely. I would, would call them. And just say, you wouldn't want biodegradable products by any chance. And they'd say, you're right, we wouldn't. (laughs) So, you know, it it took a while while to learn and to do. And so I brought in the first few people just by, you know, bless their hearts and they're still with us. (laughs) I can't believe it. And finally, Rick started to step out. And what we found out is that he is really great at connecting with people and talking the science and the research, whereas I always got the numbers wrong, you know, and I just, it was just my enthusiasm, just my belief, and just the results in my health that made such a difference, you know. I. Um, turned 80 I'm, and we're going dancing tomorrow night because we're going to a, uh, we're uh, on the committee for a fundraiser for three children's charities. And that's that's one of the blessings that we have in this business is the ability now to give back where we lived on macaroni and cheese. Now we can help people like Jeff Koeitz the children to have food to take home. and you know, um, Brent's house and Lawson's Boston house. house. Lawson. Yeah. So it's exciting. And I, you know, I can dance and have a good time and be healthy and, and mm-hmm. they still have a purpose in life to know that we're making a difference in other people's lives.
0: All right. I was going to go someplace else, but now we're going to stick with this because you mentioned that giving back. So let's from a, from a money standpoint, from, the, the, you know, the flow of money, the spirituality of money. Just talk a little more about the power of giving back.
2: I think it's really selfish, because <laughs> you just feel so good when you do it, <laughs> and you see the results. <laughs> that um, I'm not sure that that's really spiritual. I don't know. <laughs> Um, But it's such a, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I feel like my gift is gift giving. And, um, you know, when you read the, um, what's the book?
3: Five Languages of Love.
2: The Five Languages of Love, that was my number one gift. And and I just couldn't wait until we can get to the place where we can give and see the joy uh, for 10 years, I volunteered to Families First. In fact, Rick thought I had a job because I would spend about 40 hours a week volunteering and just doing everything. And now that that's moved on to another level, now we have the opportunity here with three different charities. And for my passion is children, um, because I grew up in a refugee camp and those care packages were really important. So
0: I guess that's why I chose children's (laughs) charities. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate that you, you have a connection to that. And I, I, I love that you felt, feel the selfishness in it because the giving does give back so much more. And, and I think, you know, we don't talk enough about money. We don't talk enough about, you know, how money works and, and, you know, I was raised in a family that said, you know, don't talk about money or religion. And, and we don't, we don't talk about money and we don't know what our neighbors are paying on their mortgage. And we don't know what people are doing with their money to make it work for them. And and money's a tool that likes to work. It doesn't want to be stuck in the toolbox. And, and giving back is a a really powerful way to put money to work, to make an impact in the world. And, and, and it should feel selfish. It should feel like you're getting so much back for it. It's so much more value, right? It's, it's value same as the products that you're selling their value far far exceeds their price because of what they do for people's health or what they do for people's, you know, household. When, when you're using biodegradable and and clean products, the value far exceeds the price. And so it, it really is about value when you're giving back that value far out exceeds the amount of money that you give.
3: Well, the interesting thing when the topic of money came up initially, Uh, when we started setting goals and all that kind of thing, I came to realize that that was one of the biggest mindset shifts I had to make. Mm -hmm. Because I grew up in a family where, number one, money was never talked about. Um, We were not poor, but we were not well off. We were kind of middle class to lower middle class family. I never actually, as a kid, Worried about where a meal was coming from or anything like that, but we never had a lot of stuff. But there were some, some things that I got from my parents, both consciously and subconsciously, that somehow money was a bad thing. That you know, rich people had to step on somebody to get it. Right. That you know, money's the root of all evil. All of those things that seem to pervade, especially the church, to a large degree. Um, And it took me a long time to, number one, even recognize that I kept sabotaging myself just because I didn't think I deserved it. And number two, uh, come to the realization that money as a tool, money just makes people more of what they already are. If you're a drunkard, you got more to drink. If you're a giver, you have more to give. It's Mm -hmm. real simple. Money doesn't really change people, but I thought it did. And I didn't want to be one of those people that my parents had talked about all their lives who had lots of money.
2: And I was the complete opposite. We came here on an army troop ship. We lived in a ghetto. We always had a white tablecloth, flowers, and a bottle of wine. Because my mother said, in this country, you can choose to become whatever you want. And we don't belong in this environment. We just have to work our way out of it. Good for your mom.
0: Man, so oh. here we were. That's the other place we were opposites. <laughs> <laughs> but you can see the difference between the seeds that, that your parents planted, and mm-hmm. your mother planted a seed of prosperity. Yes. and and Rick, like my parents, they didn't talk about money, or or when they did, it was that idea that you know people that get money or get rich, they've 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 taken it from somebody else. Yeah, you know, and there's exactly. there's just underlying idea that, that money changes people. And I like how you said that, right? It doesn't change people, it just multiplies who they are, and reveals it in many cases. So that was
3: powerful. Yeah, I think one of the most poignant memories I have with my mom as it relates to that, we had a, a Volkswagen. And uh, I can't even remember where we were going, but we're driving down Littleton Boulevard, and we're at a stoplight. My mom's driving. I was probably, I don't know, 13 years old, 12 years old. And a big, brand new Cadillac pulls up next to us. And my mother looks over and goes, well, we can go 50 just as well as they can go 50. (laughs) And you could just hear it in her tone of voice. Like, why would you ever want something like that? And that was so pervasive in seems like every conversation you got over it, I did, but it was a struggle. (laughs) That was that was one of those personal development mind shift things that was huge and had to be overcome because you can't be an entrepreneur if you think like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, the mind shift is definitely a part of everything that all of us have to acknowledge and figure out what those are for us. And, And that is so pervasive in everything most of us grew up with. Um, Rick, you talked a little bit about being, or that Rick was an expert at connecting. How valuable are your connections and connecting that?
2: Oh my gosh. We, you know, whether somebody uses our product or not, and we've met them, we have some amazing friends and long-term friends. And it's just, um, the connections are kind of, our friendships. It's not, even with, with, People that only use our products—they're not building. They become really great friends. Some of whom we get together every six weeks on our deck for um... happy hour. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was trying to decide if I should say that.
3: <laughs> but you know what's so interesting to me is here. Here I was the stereotypical engineer, where I was terrified of people, and come to discover people are really interesting and, and a lot
2: of
1: fun and
3: a lot of fun and i thoroughly enjoy meeting new people now and getting to know people and and hearing their stories yeah, especially hearing their stories how they got to be where they are and who they are is just fascinating to me and we both enjoy it and i think that's why now for me making those connections and networking and doing those kind of things is something i look forward to as opposed to something that I used to dread. Well, Maybe. he found
2: out that he doesn't have to talk when he meets with somebody. He asks a couple of questions, and they share their story, <laughs> and so then it becomes a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> we, as human beings,
2: do like to talk.
0: <laughs> so I, I like—I both of you obviously have shared how your story changed, and now you're leading others and, and mentoring others through. You know, you love hearing their stories. But how much more powerful is it to to watch them change their stories? Because that's really what entrepreneurship is about, right? It's changing the story you tell yourself about money. It's changing the story you tell yourself about your self-worth. And then changing the story of impact that you can have in the world.
2: Well, and that's a fun thing to watch. So as, as the people who have chosen to make this their business, um, and you see the the difference in their lifestyles. I mean, we have uh, someone who is one of our top leaders who went through a divorce. And had she not built her Shackley business, she would not obviously not be doing well. And we'd be dependent on her husband, who, by the way, doesn't give her anything anyway, because she doesn't need it. Um, I think she came close to paying him alimony.
3: Yeah, but basically because she became an entrepreneur, became independent, um, after the divorce, her lifestyle didn't change a bit. Whereas I got better. 90% of the time after divorce, the woman, especially from a financial perspective, will probably struggle a good share of their lives. Um, and she didn't have to go through that.
2: And we have a young lady that just really grew quickly. I mean, she just, uh, it was amazing to watch her. She did all the right things. She was very coachable and she's young and single and she now travels all over and finally decided to move from Colorado to Maine, which blows my mind. Well, we her but, man, <laughs> But, you know, she can continue her business anywhere she is because of the lifestyles we can have now. And, you know, she Facebooked every trip she took. And it was so much fun to watch how happy she is. And and she'd say, well, you know, I built this business and this is what it's given me. And I'm taking a break right now for a year. And my income still keeps coming in. Because wow. you build those relationships and those people are ordering the products and it just, you know, But I, it's but so I think, fun to
3: watch this in people. It's, but part of her success and part of our success and the way we coach and mentor people is we also share the realities and the struggles oh. and the hard times. I mean, we don't try to convince people that you just come into this and it's all going to be easy and you just put on your rose colored glasses and somehow magically it's going to happen. If you well, talk about the story, yeah, how we started, and- if you share the realities of what it takes to succeed and people know that coming in and know it up front, they're much more likely to do the work than if somehow they think it's not going to be hard. It is going to be hard. Any business is hard at some point in time or another, and especially in the beginning. And if you're transparent about that, it's amazing how people react to that differently than if it's just all rah-rah and positive about all the wonderful things you can do once you're there. Let's talk about the reality of what it takes to get there.
1: Yeah, it's work for sure. I mean relationships in general are as well. I want to ask Robert's favorite question is what was your most memorable date?
2: Most memorable date? <laughs>
3: didn't see
1: As a couple.
2: I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I guess I don't know.
3: We've <laughs> <laughs> had a lot of memorable dates. I'm not sure <laughs> how easy it would be to pick a favorite one.
2: Well, you know, we could say, our most memorable date is when we went on an anniversary trip for, to England for a month.
3: True. Or that, we did the barge amazing.
0: canal in France.
3: Yeah, I think the barge in France was probably our most memorable
0: date. Nice. <laughs> well, you also mentioned the one your grandkids organized and planned, which I think is pretty exciting too. Yeah. That was awesome. Oh, to me, that's the best to have my,
2: my family there with us and just... But you know, I would encourage you to go to Barcelona to see the Gaudi Museum. And the cathedral. And the cathedral. It it should be one of the wonders of the world. Wow. Because it's not your typical
3: it's church. Your, the whole cathedral is a work of art inside and out. It's They're now on their 100th anniversary of building this thing. They were hoping to finish it this year on the 100th anniversary, but COVID kind of got in the way.
0: Yeah, I figured. But
3: they're building the last major spire, uh, should be done within about 18 months, but it is one of the most stunning pieces of art and architecture and, and engineering lighting. we've ever seen. It's And the way they amazing.
2: did the windows and the lighting, it, as the sun changes and goes around, the colors in the cathedral are amazing. They already had uh, Pope Benedict held mass there for two thousand people already.
0: Wow.
3: Yeah, so fantastic. So anyway, but yes. Sorry, this was <laughs> <laughs> but we digress. <laughs> that's
0: okay. That's what that's what we want to share though, because those are the things that can encourage people of what's possible, right? And right. And, and I think the, the combination of what's possible with your authenticity, right? And and the reality of what it takes can can really encourage people to say, look, this is possible. This is this is the work that it takes to get there, right? There's no there's no magic bullet, there's no quick fix. But if you if you do the thinking work, if you do the mindset work, the, the work between your ears, and then you do the hard work, right? The you make the calls and, you, and you, you meet the people and you have the meetings and you have the meetings and you get the nose, this is this is what's possible. And then you can enjoy you know, these possibilities. And in your case, you know, and, and I, I hope in our case too, that we've got a business that's that, that can be passed on to our family and, and can continue to provide that same level of freedom of time and freedom of money that that a, a successful entrepreneur longs for. Well, and I think
3: that's part of the fun of what we do is painting other people into a different picture than what they mm-hmm. thought they had in their future. Mm-hmm. I mean, it fascinates me how many people, you know, they spend their whole life working for somebody else. They finally get to retirement age and discover they can't live on 60 percent of what they couldn't live on before they retired. And there's a there's a better way to do it. And when people can see that because you help paint them into that picture, that's exciting. It's just it's just fun to watch people blossom when they come to the realization that they have more control over their future than they thought they did.
0: Well, or the worst or worse step than that is that they wait till retirement age. And because they've been stressed in and, and in anxiety, their whole entire work life, hating their job, their health is deteriorated to the point where they can't do the things that they wanted to do. So let's let's just dabble a little bit into the value of Mind, body, and spirit, right? We, we mentioned the mind and, and you mentioned some spirit, but how important is the body in, in this entrepreneurial process? <laughs> well, And you know, when we share or when I share Shackley, I start
2: <clears throat> off with the fact that it isn't just supplementation. It's a full circle. It's your attitude about your health. It's whether you exercise or not. It's what the food choices you make and the fact that we can't get nutrition out of our foods anymore. It's your supplementation. So it's the full circle. The people whose attitude is, I'm healthy and I will do what it takes to stay healthy. They they live longer and they are healthier. The people who are maybe... Maybe it's in corporate jobs and they've just done the same thing over and over and over again. And they just don't feel like they have the time to work out or they have the time to take care of themselves. It's really sad. I mean, Rick joined a golf
3: group here. Yeah, I joined the senior men's league across the street a couple of summers ago. And I'm about halfway through the summer and I came home and I said, I can't do this anymore. And then it goes, what's the matter? I said, they're also old. <laughs> Most of them were five to 10 years younger than me, but you never heard so much whining and complaining about this hurts and that hurts, and the doctor just changed this prescription. And I just had that I joint that an organ recital. Yeah, you got an organ <laughs> recital every time you see these guys, you know?
2: And it's sad because even when he approaches them, they're not interested in changing. And that's hard. And I think you know?
3: one of the things we, we figured out early on is if you prevent it, you don't have to cure it. It's real simple. Oh, so valuable. The The challenge is that most people don't give serious consideration to their health until they don't have it. That's when they walk in the doctor's office and many times it's too late. And I think all of us recognize that doesn't matter how successful you are in business. If you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Because you sure. can't enjoy what you've created. You well, know, too it doesn't matter if you've got money and free time. If you're not healthy enough to enjoy it, it's a so what?
0: Yeah. Too many people kick the can down the road thinking, well, that won't happen to me or I've still got time, right? I've still got yeah. time to get healthier. I've still got time to, to exercise and eat right. But that's that's later.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then it's too late. That is Absolutely.
1: Yeah. You, you get. You talked about gratitude earlier in the Commitment in the routine of that. What other routines are important to you?
2: Well, the first thing we do, first thing in the morning, is pray together. We pray together. So Rick reads out of the Word, and we have um, Joyce Myers reading, and then we have prayers that avail much. So we go through all all three of those, and then we do some affirmations, and then we get about our business.
0: Nice. Every
2: day. Oh, yeah. I go in my office and do gratitude. I always yeah. do that.
0: Well, I love I love that, that you do those. But I also love that you do them together. And 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 obviously there's value in in setting the standard for your day together. And and of course, including God in that is, is a value that we appreciate as well. So <laughs> thank you for thank you for sharing that.
3: You know, we were part of a marriage group years ago that was part of what healed our marriage and got us on the right track and all that kind of stuff. International
2: Marriage Ministries. Yeah, it's
3: called International Mm -hmm. Marriage Ministries now. But But it
2: started as Nova Shalom.
3: (laughs) But one of the things, um, we had not formed the habit of praying and or praying together. (laughs) The leader of the group gave us a little card to put over the light switch in our bedroom. And what it said was that if your day is full and you don't have enough time to pray, just go ahead and skip it, signed Satan. (laughs) And I read that card every morning for several weeks before we finally got to the place where we committed to that prayer time every single
2: morning. And it makes all the difference. It turns out that, you know, if there are things going on, it's during prayer time that we can talk about it with um, respect for each other and and come to a solution or get some help because
3: or at least communicate
0: effectively yeah, right yeah and that's been a really huge deal for us that's so good all right normally i'd ask about the big dream but i think you guys are living it we're living it pretty much <laughs> i right, so we've been very blessed so I want to ask, you've just spent the hour having that happy hour with an entrepreneur and you want to leave him with Rick and Aldana's words of wisdom. What would you share?
3: Just don't give up on your dream. Mm. It may take longer than you think it should. It may be harder than you think it ought to be. But, but if you short. just hang in there...
2: It's definitely worth the time and the effort and the persistence. Mm-hmm. And you can bless yourself and bless all uh, your whole family and bless others by really focusing and continuing to strive for your dream.
1: Oh, Rick and O'Donnell, we just thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your wisdom and your journey and your just being authentic. Um, we just want to thank you for being with us and we will uh, touch base and keep touch.
0: Thank uh, you so it. much for inviting. It was us. fun for us.
3: Appreciate it a lot.
0: Thanks wow. so much, guys. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Bye, guys. There, there'll be an email later today. We just ask for a short bio for the introduction, a headshot. If you guys can, if you have one that you're together, that would help us. Okay. Um, any links you want to include in the description? We can put links to your Shackley page or to whatever websites you want to have. And then uh, we do ask for a mailing address because we do send a card to say thank you. So appreciate you guys.
3: All righty. Probably be later today or tomorrow before I get all that together. We, for got,
0: we got weeks. No worries. <laughs> okay. We're about six weeks out from release. And then the day before we release it, we'll send you a couple clips and the artwork. If you want to share it on your social, you can share it. And, and we just appreciate you guys coming on.
3: All right. Thank you so much, Thank guys. Thank you so much. We'll Thank fun. you.
0: This was great. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at AddValueMindset.com. That's add value mindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. AddValueMindset.com. In our next episode, Alicia Barr shares about growing a marketing agency and seeing so many people struggle with sales. She changed her focus to helping people with subtle sales. Sales where you're helping people solve a problem and not trying to close a deal.